I think the problem that a lot of creators have even now when there is so much education online is that they start something and they, you know, have a reel or a TikTok go viral. And it's like this flash in the pan success that they don't really know what to do with. And they don't know how to Mm -hmm. capitalize on all of the eyeballs coming their way. They don't know how to capture leads and bring those followers over to an email list and monetize in other ways besides brand collaborations and really build Mm -hmm. something that allows them to be that CEO and that business owner rather than just like this creator that really has no idea what they're doing. Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie, and for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together, and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the pod today. I have one of my dear business friends, Christina, with me. And if you don't already know her, Christina has an online following close to a million humans. She is a social media influencer, online educator, and digital marketing expert. After building a successful career as a content creator and working with brands like Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, and Lululemon, Christina built a multiple seven-figure online education business that has helped thousands of women build profitable businesses as influencers, bloggers, and creators. She has been featured in Bloomberg, CNN, Forbes, New York Post. She is the real deal and has even spoken at top conferences like AdWorld and Startup Grind. She is one of the OG, I feel like, girl bosses in the space. We have a lot in common in terms of our paths in kind of parallel spaces. And so we always have so much to talk about and it's always been really interesting just how parallel our like seasons in business are. We've been having a lot of like text convos about different thoughts, different trends we're seeing, seasons we've been in in our businesses. So we were like, you know what, let's bring it to the pod. We have a lot to say. So welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you so much for having me here. As you were introing me, I was like laughing on camera because like, she's such a girl boss. Meanwhile, like <laughs> five minutes ago, I'm like trying to like hook my AirPods <laughs> up to the computer, like having so many audio issues. You so, moved. You moved like two bossing. months ago, you know, like we're, we're yeah. still in a transition. We're, we're only yeah. two months in. I have no excuse, but here we are. We're doing a podcast. Okay. I did have to force you to unpack your microphone. So yes, I did go have to grab it out of a paper bag downstairs. It was devastating, but I'm in reality, I'm so excited to be here. And I always love connecting. We've been friends for like three or four years now online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really fun to see like your evolution and we seem to be in always following kind of parallel paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had me on your podcast like multiple years ago and we're, we yes. finally have made it happen on mine. Yeah. So yay. Yes. Glad, to, glad to have you. Glad you're here. Woo. We made it. Here we go. Okay. I'm so excited to jump in. And I honestly had a hard time like deciding what we were going to talk about and like where we wanted to kick off. But something that we've been kind of circling around and like jamming on together in text messages is really the concept of like maturing as an entrepreneur. And this is also a big kind of trend. And like even there's a trend going right now as of as of as of us recording it, us Wow, words are hard. As it. of us recording <laughs> this, where people are like maturing as a blah blah is realizing 
this. And then you're like, psych, like maturing is realizing that it's like traveling is a waste of money and it's time for me to really be responsible, start saving and sell down. Then they're like, LOL, JK, I'm in Italy or whatever it is. So that's also the anti version of what we're talking about. But as part of the maturing as an entrepreneur conversation, I would love for you to give everyone just kind of like a rundown of the core phases that you've had in your business to bring some context to to this conversation. So if we're now talking about maturing as entrepreneurs, what have the phases previous to this looked like and how did we end up here? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me use this also as an opportunity to like introduce myself a bit for people who don't know who I am. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just like smashing two major components of this episode together right now. No, it's like sophisticated. I like it. Okay. My first phase is probably like the starting out phase, right? Like similar kind of journey to a lot of people that, you know, are in this space. I was working in a nine to five after I graduated from college in New York city and just was very miserable in that lifestyle, Mm -hmm. like super sick of the monotony. So I started an Instagram page back in 2016 and it was just a hobby at the time, like mainly focused on travel, ended up quitting my job about a year later to do that full time. So in that phase of my life, that was like the influencer phase, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was working with Brands around the world, hotels, tourism boards. Doing when you the, started like, documenting your thing. trips and like yeah. creating content, did you have that as an objective of like, I know this is something I want to monetize or were you doing it for fun and then the mon- monetization opportunity kind of came later? Yeah, the latter for sure. I just started as a hobby yeah. and I then sort of noticed like, oh, my following is picking up. Brands are reaching out to me and it kind mm-hmm. of opened me up to this whole new world that I had no idea existed. Like this was yeah. back in 2016 where I feel like people just weren't like, you would always see like the cool travel girls online, you know? But it was like, like a core handful versus like, yeah, like it a was smaller. a few really big people versus now there's so many more in that, in that exactly. niche. Yeah, exactly. There was so much smoke and mirrors back then. So then I started to realize, oh, this could actually be something that you know, I could make a living doing. So as soon as I started to get those like first few paid opportunities, then I had to think through more of like, okay, can I quit my job to actually, you Mm -hmm. know, jump into the deep end and try this full time. So I ended up doing that in 2017 over the next couple of years were the influencer phase, right? Like full content creator. You went through this phase as well, working with brands, traveling like three months out of every single or three weeks out of every single month. Like just, it was a lot of content creation Then we'll say was like the moving into the educator phase. Again, this is very similar to your journey as well. So at the time I started to notice that like a lot of the questions I was getting from my audience were less of like, what do I do in Jamaica? And more of like, how can I do what you do? How can Mm -hmm. I grow my audience, work with brands, be a content creator myself? Again, at that time in 2018, still a lot of smoke and mirrors around the industry. So I created my first course called Influencer Bootcamp. And that was really how I had done what I did, right? Like how I grew my Instagram, how I monetized with brand collaborations. And for a couple of years there, it was sort of like I was straggling both identities. And I think that that's something we'll talk about quite a bit in this conversation is is just allowing yourself to change and mature and evolve into whatever feels most aligned with your identity at the time, right? Mm -hmm. But I was kind of straddling both the travel blogger and educator thing for a bit. 2020 fully leaned into being an educator. And now for the last few years, like that's been my kind of main purpose. I have multiple courses now that are really just meant to help 
specifically creators, but you know, creative entrepreneurs, I guess is the, the fancy yeah. title, kind of build a business that is built for long-term success. So I think the problem that a lot of creators have even now when there is so much education online is that they start something and they, you know, have a reel or a TikTok go viral. And it's like this flash in the pan success that they don't really know what to do with. And they don't know how to Mm -hmm. capitalize on all of the eyeballs coming their way. They don't know how to capture leads and bring those followers over to an email list and monetize in other ways besides brand collaborations and really build Mm -hmm. something that allows them to be that CEO and that business owner rather than just like this creator that really has no idea what they're doing. So yeah. that's what all of my my courses and kind of educational material are are for that kind of person. So yeah, educator phase. And now I feel like, you know, back to your original question of like my what was the original question? Like my where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we I wanted to to get give everyone a lay of the land. Give them I just took myself on a journey. <laughs> Like, we're we're along, we're along for the ride with you. Yeah, there's been but, a lot of like personal kind of like pivots and points in my story throughout that, and I feel like now I'm at a phase where realizing the last few years as I built my business, I've hustled so much mm-hmm. and neglected so much else in my life, including mm-hmm. myself and my mental health and my social life and my happiness. Honestly, so the last like year or two has really been about like coming back to that and yeah. rebuilding my happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've put so much work and grit and determination and like time and energy into your business. And I feel like it has reached this maturity point where you can step back and like really be reinvesting into yourself and the business gets to support that. Do you think that there was a way for you to get your business to where it is now, like a multiple seven figure business? without having hustled as hard as you did? Or do you feel like that was like necessary and now you're just getting to kind of like reap the reward of what you sowed before? You know what? I struggle with this because I think it's like, it's such a conversation online of like the Gary V like hustle culture Mm -hmm. and how people Mm -hmm. are like, you don't need to do that. Like there can always be balance. I don't think that I would have been able to build a business that I have in the time that I was able to do it Mm -hmm. without putting blinders on and really just like focusing and putting my nose to the grindstone, so to say. Mm-hmm. I think that if I had had true balance in my life and didn't sacrifice my social life to the degree that I did, I'm not sure I would have been able to have the success that I had. But certainly looking back, I think there are ways that like I neglected my mental health for sure that could have been beneficial and to the success yeah. that I had. Like yeah. maybe we could have leaned, like dipped into balance like here or like there. Just a little. Yeah. 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 Just, just a just, little. Just a dip, but I definitely yeah. agree with like I had so so long, it feels like, of like a hustle era where I was working like 10, 12, 14 hour days, like especially my YouTube era. A 12 minute YouTube video takes like two fucking days to produce. <laughs> like it takes so long. So I was working all the time, creating content all the time, especially when you're working with brands, like they want all of these revisions and they want them immediately. They want them like five minutes ago and Also having like multiple streams of revenue, being an educator, having clients, like your your attention is getting pulled so many different ways. But I love what you said about how you are so pro building a true business and something that's sustainable and strategic and intentional because 
now more than ever, there's so much conversation around like anyone can be an influencer. Anyone, like there are so many opportunities online, which is true, but there's a huge difference between like going viral a couple of times and like getting a couple of brand deals versus actually having a sustainable business with like repeatable, predictable income and Mm -hmm. feeling like you're in control. Because personally, when I was making so much money as just like brand deals and not, not even so much, but like a full-time income. And I was graduating college at the time. So it felt like a lot of money, but I was making a lot of money. Yeah. And then inflation. Now I'm like, that's, that's nothing. But at the time it was great. And even though I was going well and I had like year long contracts with brands and like repeatable commission and all this stuff, I still felt like I was like at the mercy of the brands of like, oh, are they going to want to resign or what deals can I get this month? Or if they didn't send me the product in time for their launch, then I'm screwed or whatever it is. And that's why I ended up diversifying into my own offers. So similar to you, like I wanted more control. I wanted more like diversified revenue and really wanted to have like a, a business that felt stable. So yeah. What are, do you think we're going to see a huge kind of like turnover of the everyone's an influencer and then there's going to be, you know, a year, two years, three years from now, so many people who are like commiserating about their failed influencer era or how do you think this is going to play out? Oh, totally. I mean, I think you, we kind of see it already. Like a lot of people are very, a lot of creators are very flash in the pan and unless they've mm-hmm. taken that time. I don't know if you can hear the beautiful siren going down in Venice. But <laughs> I, I told think, you not I mean, to like, move to Venice, Christina. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I think if you don't take the time to really think long term and not just like in the moment while this virality and these eyeballs on my page mm-hmm. feel really good, then, you know, you will kind of teeter out. And I think we see that. Another thing I wanted to add to, to what we were talking about before about like having that period of putting your nose to the grindstone is something that's been really important to me is to create a business that actually aligns with the lifestyle that I have. And so even though I've had to work very hard on specific aspects of my business, when I really started to grow my online education business, I was making sure that I was doing it in a way that gave me passive income to allow Mm -hmm. me to live the lifestyle that I wanted. So I personally don't do a lot of coaching. I just have online courses and all of that is pretty automated which is not to say that I'm not like, I'm not supporting students and optimizing funnels and throwing up in social media and doing all of that. Yeah. Your passive income is still very much like an active process, just yeah, not exactly. to the extent and of like showing up to a million coaching calls every week, which I don't exactly. either as an online coach. But I think there, there's a way to do <laughs> exactly. both, but like- Totally. I yes, just don't do yes, yeah, the passive it. things. Yeah. And it takes a while to set that up. Like you're really going to have to like work very, very hard to set up a passive income stream. But if you do it well, then it will pay off. Yeah. But it's all that work upfront. I think people often are sold this dream of passive income and like, oh my God, I don't even want to get into like the master resale rights shit show that's happening right now. Have you not heard of this yet? No. Okay. So there's this course going around that has, it's called master resale rights is like the structure of how it works. And basically Mm -hmm. what it is, is you buy this digital marketing course. It's like $500. Mm -hmm. And when you buy it, you get master resale rights, meaning you can then go on and sell it to other people for full profit and to as many people as you want. So right. So why, how, who, so there's just a lot of conversation around 
this being like true passive income because you don't even have to make the course and the course already exists and all you have to do is sell it and sell it again. And like if you sell it once, it pays for itself. And and so there's this same course. I no one like I don't know who made it. I don't know if they know what they're talking about. I don't know how many people have bought it and how saturated this product is. And it's just it so speaks to the like shiny object syndrome that people have of like, what is the fastest way that I can make passive income? But like the true lasting passive income in this space takes a lot of legwork to set up. Mm -hmm. Like I only have passive income because I went through the trouble of building a brand, building a community, validating my offer, like running it organically and refining it, but, and like tweaking the funnel. We literally redid our entire evergreen funnel a couple months ago. And I went back to that era of like 12 hour days. And secretly I really liked it because I was like in my like chaos mode again. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I like, it's going to pay off for sure. Yeah. Like but, I was oh in my God. work cave, but yes, yeah, that is a that new thing happening me, right now. Of course it is. People yeah. are always looking for the quickest fix, the fastest road to success, the like quick hit, like virality button, you know, no one yes. wants to actually put in the consistency and the legwork to see like compounding success over time mm-hmm. that will be beyond their wildest dreams. Right. Yes. I think the compounding success is like really the key here. Right. Cause also people are like, Oh, I, it's the same conversation around investing. Like, Oh, well I only have $10. And if I invest $10, like that's not going to do anything. But if you start now and you do $10 mm-hmm. consistently forever, that ends up yeah. being a shitload of money. But like you have yeah. to start now and be okay with it being $10 or starting small and putting in work and whatever it is like learning the trade. But so many people want to fast forward to mm-hmm. the result. And it's like, you don't even look like you're good at marketing for exi- like in a lot of the cases where I see people promoting this course, I'm like, you clearly don't even know marketing. So why is anyone going to buy a digital marketing course from you? This makes no yeah. sense. It's like a weird MLM, but like not, I don't know. Right. I'm, it's I'm not, it's so not confused. technically because yeah. it, there's no like downline upline situation. Cause it's a hundred percent profit to whoever is reselling it, but there must be some sort of like upsell within the course or something that benefits the original creator. But yeah, go down a rabbit hole on that after this. I'm it confused, definitely bro. gives those vibes, but it's like, yeah, technically it's not. Fun. So Anyway, I think that just speaks to the bigger trend of like people always looking for that easy passive income. But you and I both now have like what is our dream lifestyle because we put in the work to build the true passive ish. (laughs) Let's call it passive ish business that like supports the life. But it took a lot of work. It took mastering a craft, which like Mm -hmm. you can't skip that part either. No, absolutely not. You can't you can't skip the part of putting in the legwork. And what has been your experience going viral since you also mentioned like everyone wants the like easy virality button. Everyone wants to go viral. Everyone wants to whatever. I know you've gone viral several times for different things. And I know that you've said openly like it's not what it's cracked up to be like going viral is not the not the silver no. bullet that you're looking for. So no. I'm interested to hear that spiel or just share yeah. it with people. Yeah. I think you're right. Everybody wants to go viral because they think that's going to be the quickest road to success. But I think it is much more, and I'll talk about my experience going viral, but like it is much more beneficial to your brand to have pieces of content reach smaller amounts of people, but be consistent with that. 
Yeah. Rather than having these like random videos that aren't mm-hmm. really cohesive in what you're talking about, yeah. aren't really like representative of your brand and your, mm-hmm. you know, niche and who you're trying to target go randomly viral because yeah. you will end up reaching people that aren't your target audience. Right. Um, and if you're like, following like grows a ton from that random unrelated video, you're kind of screwed right. for like your future engagement and 100%. like how your content performs that is in your niche. Like then you're, exactly. you're kind of like, like shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. Like they followed you for this one funny video that went viral and then they're hanging yeah. around and they're like, wait, I don't actually like her other content. And then they're unfollowing mm-hmm. you, which affects your engagement. They're never going to buy from you anyway. So it's much better mm-hmm. to be consistent with like content that's reaching smaller amounts of people over time. I went viral for a egg freezing reel. So this is probably my most viral video on Instagram. It has like 3.6 million accounts that it's reached. I had two friends that commented and I pinned their comments and they both have also gained like thousands of followers. Okay. BRB, let me go comment. <laughs> Why didn't you I let know. me in on this opportunity? I know. I know. My friend Andreas commented and he's like, I'm going to comment on all of your reels from now on because I just like grew so much from this. But That's anyway, hilarious. so this egg freezing reel just, it was meant for my target audience, right? Which yeah. is millennial women mm-hmm. generally living in some sort of like metropolis. Yeah, metropolitan area in the U.S., right? And it reached not that. <laughs> and <laughs> I gained, first of all, a lot of hate comments, which is crazy. Yeah. But also a lot of people that were in my target audience. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, it's so much better to be slow and steady with your growth and be consistent mm-hmm. with those smaller wins. That's what's really going to compound into larger success rather than that quick hit stuff that just isn't sustainable. And I think that translates over to like, business, social media, mental health, like everything in life, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. I think all all things that are like worth having and worth keeping require that. They require, oh my God, we have matching Stanley cups. <laughs> of course we do. It's the best color. <laughs> yeah. They're white, by the way. Really exciting. <laughs> Thrilling. <laughs> We're both wearing like completely black and white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love colors. Mm-hmm. Favorite color is neutrals. I, so also, the my the wall behind me is completely black. I like need yeah. to stop being so New York. So it's great. <laughs> you need to assimilate to LA, Christina. It's I time know. to let go. I do. I do. Yeah. So anyway, tangent was that anything that's worth like keeping, anything that's going to last, like it takes that repetition. It takes consistency. It takes being patient, and that is basically what counts like 90% of people out. Like they start, but they can't be consistent. They can't stick with it. They can't keep putting in the reps when they're not getting that instant validation. Like Mm -hmm. your first 100, let's say pieces of content you put out are probably going to suck. Like if you go to on my Instagram now, I have 6,300, over 6,000 posts. I've been doing this almost every day since 2012. (laughs) Yeah, and then my I'll I'll have people compare their content to mine and be like, why don't I get engagement or like why doesn't it look as good as yours? I'm like, you haven't literally done this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Like, do you yeah. know how many times my content has been ugly or has flopped or yeah. has been like misunderstood or whatever it is? But the times I've gone viral, I will say, have been like almost just more trouble than it's worth because you get like haters coming out of the woodwork. And on one hand, you can joke about it and be like, oh, thanks for the engagement. Like trolling is still engagement. It still uh-huh. sucks. But it's like, it's honestly very dysregulating to go viral mm-hmm. too. Cause you're like, oh fuck, now I have to deal with all these people. And like, 
I have, do I want to defend myself? Do I delete them? Do I leave them? Are they right? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like a whole thing. And I think we need to just drop the goal of going viral as a whole. Totally. I I think too, like aside from the virality factor, people ask me like, what could I attribute to my success? And I think for me and for you and for other successful entrepreneurs, I think the number one trait to have is just being fucking relentless. Yeah. Being Mm -hmm. so relentless, that means being consistent, but it also means when something isn't working that you just keep hammering home. Yes. You know, like you are just undyingly driven (laughs) in your Mm -hmm. goal that like nothing is going to stop you. Yeah. And I think it's like a bit of a delusional level of like belief in yourself, belief in in the vision. (laughs) And it's not like belief of like, I'm the shit, I'm the best thing since sliced bread necessarily, but it's this delusional belief of like, I can have what I want and I can figure out how to get it. Like that's Mm -hmm. more the delusional belief. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like one of the kind of like X factor superpowers that all of my most successful friends have. 100%. Yeah. Gotta have a healthy level of Delulu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I want to circle back to like the content creator route and that as a business model. Like what do you feel are the pros and cons of having a personal brand driven business, a like content driven organic marketing, which I know you also have paid funnels as a big part of your Mm -hmm. business, but like clearly content is a big driver for you. So Mm -hmm. what do you see as kind of the pros and cons of pursuing that model? Because obviously there's so many different ways to have a business. There's so many different ways Mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur and like our approach is only one of them. Yeah. So when I think of content creator, I think of kind of like the, not really the online education, coaching, online course route. I think of like the person that's monetizing through brand collaborations and maybe even Mm -hmm. doing like UGC. So user generated content jobs and stuff like that. I think one of the biggest pros like at face value is that you get to be creative for your job. And that's really incredible that we live in an era where like if you love to create content with that's photos or videos online, you could actually make that your full-time job and you don't need a huge audience to actually make it happen anymore. So like when we started back in, or when I started in 2017, if you wanted to be making, you know, six figures, multiple six figures a year from brand collaborations, you needed a really large following. Mm -hmm. And now that's not the case. Like, first of all, from a brand collaboration perspective, brands really see the value in working with micro influencers because they Mm -hmm. have such a tight knit community compared to even somebody of my size but also with like UGC opportunities as well. Like you don't even need a following to get started with UGC. Mm -hmm. You can literally just be creating content with 500 followers for brands, get like three clients a month that you're creating video content for. And that's like a great way to have that Mm -hmm. um, recurring revenue, even offering the brands like rights to run ads with that content Mm -hmm. can serve as passive income, charge them a certain amount over time. So biggest perk is like you can turn your creativity into a job. And also being a creative is just really fucking fun. Like there's really amazing (laughs) perks that you get from it. Like press trips, gifting, like influencer events. PR. I I do miss PR. I miss being on PR lists. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. You get like the most incredible gifting stuff and you're like, hey, friends want to come over and grab some makeup, you know? Yeah. It's just like a very fun, creative job. And it's really cool that social media gives you the opportunity to like turn what you're passionate about into a career. 
Mm-hmm. So then what do you think are the biggest myths? Because again, like it's we're in such an era where it's like anyone can be an influencer and like, yeah, you know, every like fake it till you make it. Everyone can show up as an influencer until and it's just inevitable that you're going to be mm-hmm. successful. But like, what are kind of the myths around all the hype? I would say two that are coming to mind. One is that, I mean, you hear it from like every influencer under the sun that it's a lot of work. (laughs) It is definitely a lot of work creating content. It's not going to be something that you post once a week and you're like super successful with it. Or you're immediately good at it. Exactly. You have to put in the reps. Like we've said, you have to put in the reps. You have to be consistent. You have to be willing to learn and put yourself out there and kind of get beyond that like mindset drama of like, who's going to judge me for showing up online it's a lot of work connecting with brands. It's a lot of work networking. But if you have that overall vision of making that your lifestyle and you are, again, relentless with it, it's totally you know worth all of the work. The other hard thing that pops into my head, and I think this is really just with having an audience online in general, I think there's a lot of difficult things that come with having an audience online mm-hmm. that I think are true, whether you're, no matter how big your audience is, I think I've more started to think about this over the last year or two though, of just the responsibility, I think that Mm -hmm. comes with having an audience and how you want to present yourself in a certain way and being cognizant of having so many eyes on you, Mm -hmm. expectations that your audience has of you. Literally just the pressure of being perceived. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, you know, people also start to have like parasocial relationships with you too, Mm -hmm. which is really weird. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of pressure that can come with having an audience for sure. I don't know. Is there anything else you can think of that's like a negative to being an influencer? Probably the biggest one to me is like, it's just so painted as sunshine and rainbows of like, I get to just like have fun and like frolic and like take pictures every day and like get paid a million dollars. Like that's very much the picture that's painted. But like you said, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of like never turning off because everything like your entire life becomes a content opportunity. Like, like my husband is now so well-trained that like he cannot touch his food at a restaurant until I have taken a photo of it. And like now I definitely am not the like documenting things the way I used to, but like everyone around me knows like Marie has to get the shot and like Mm -hmm. it's gonna take like two minutes before anyone can touch their food and like I recognize how fucking annoying that is so I can keep it in like I can restrain myself in the right situation but like it really is something that becomes just part of your entire life versus like an office job like you clock out at five and you see them again at nine no, it's your, ho- and it's like, okay, we know that like morning routine content does well, for example. Okay. So yeah. I need to orchestrate this entire morning routine. Yeah, yeah. I need to go set the camera up, fake, get back in bed, fake to have my alarm go off again, let so out of real. bed, pretend there's not a camera it's in so my room. Real. Like there's, there's so much that goes into it. And like mm-hmm. a, a, a well-produced one minute TikTok or something is takes people hours to make yes. that like between conceptualizing it, planning it, filming it, editing it, posting it, replying to comments. Like it really is this whole operation, this whole production and the things that look like easy and cool and quick often take so long. And so I do think people underestimate the amount of time stuff takes, even though it's so cool. And then also that it's like just really hard to shut off. Also knowing like there's always more comments to reply to. There's always more DMs to get back to. There's always people needing something from you. 
mm-hmm. then also the just being perceived thing because there are a lot of people who will like assume the best of you and like really support you. There are so many people who have been following my journey literally since I was in high school because that's when I started my Instagram. There have been people that have been so with me cute. since I played college volleyball. Like it is so cool to have grown up with people on the internet. Like that is amazing. And that's super valuable. But on the other side, there are also people who would like love to see me just like decapitated. hundred percent. hundred percent. Watching your stories every day. Like is today the day she's going to yeah, just grace? Totally. Just hate watching or back in the day. Like I definitely had an entire thread dedicated to me on like guru gossip or whatever the fuck the website was like. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of hate. I've dealt with a lot of people's opinions. And I think now it's like less concentrated because there are a lot more people. But like in my day, I was like one of kind of the top fitspos, right? And so there's just so much that came with that. And like when I, for example, like my hormones got completely screwed up and I like gained a bunch of weight, like being a fitness influencer and gaining 40 pounds very publicly is like very traumatic, (laughs) you know? So it's stuff like that where it's like, yes, a lot of support, but also the negative voices are sometimes, oh, I mean, always like the loudest ones, right? Like those are the ones that really stick in your brain and like play on a loop. So definitely, I have gotten so much better at letting it like like roll off my back and there's a lot less of that now honestly ever since I left the fitness industry (laughs) but yeah and now that my job isn't related to my body I think that also takes a lot of pressure off on that regard totally yeah you have to develop like a very strong sense of self I think yes you have to online and that's not even just considering negativity it's just like people even offering you positive opinions Mm -hmm. that are different from what you're thinking. You need to stand Mm -hmm. like very true in what you believe to be like your reality. So like you can't attach to either side, the positive or the negative. Exactly. You have to remain very true to yourself. And then also, yeah, not being able to shut off is like a definitely a real thing that I've had to put up boundaries around. But I think Mm -hmm. that like overall, it is such a freaking privilege to have any kind of audience online because mm-hmm. you can go in Absolutely. any direction. Like you might start yes. as a creator now, but at the end of the day, you have, let's say 5,000 people. 5,000 people is so many people. Also, mm-hmm. people yes. get that, we like, completely have like lost sight of that. hundred <laughs> percent. You have 5,000 people that are following your journey, that are invested in you, that trust you and have a connection to you. Like you can do anything with that. You know, mm-hmm. like people starting e-commerce mm-hmm. brands would die for an audience like that. So it really is such a privilege that you're like setting yourself up for long-term to have success with that. Yeah. So with that, I want to talk more about like, what is the difference between building an audience and building a community? Because there is a difference between just having people hit follow as like a casual observer versus actually being invested in you as like a human and wanting to have that connection and community like energy. So what have you seen to be the difference either like tangibly, intangibly, just your mindset as a creator. Yeah. There's such a big difference. And that's where people think that they need to have this, you know, huge audience in order to Mm -hmm. be successful, but really like the quality of your community, no matter the size is so much more important than Mm -hmm. the number up there. I feel like there's always that like story of that girl who had like 3 million followers that was trying to sell t-shirts and sold like 10 t-shirts or not Mm -hmm. even 10 t-shirts or something like that. And then there's, you know, people with like 3000 followers who are selling like six figure coaching programs. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, 
it is so about that trust that you build with your community. So I think that everybody listening can think of some, an influencer that they follow online where they're like looking for their content and they want to know more about what they're posting and they want to know more about their life versus somebody that maybe, you know, has a bigger audience, but like they kind of don't care about because they're posting very like sterile curated content that isn't very personal. They don't respond to their DMs. They don't respond mm-hmm. to their comments. So I think ultimately building a community comes down to having that like reciprocal relationship with your audience yeah. and like an open door policy of like, I'm listening to you and I'm actively taking your feedback and your questions and incorporating it into my content. I think you do this really well in your stories of like posting questions that you're getting with like some sort of response to show that like you're there for your community, right? Like it's not a one-way relationship where you're like, consume Mm -hmm. my content, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. look Mm -hmm. at my life, look at me online, right? But it does have that two-way community feel. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and like putting the social part back in social media. Like I always tell my clients that like, but are you actually being social on social media or are you just expecting people to like throw engagement at you and just like... (laughs) You yeah, just take it <laughs> like throw yeah. the dollar signs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I did a shimmy for those of you who are listening since this is a podcast. Yeah. I'm so privileged <laughs> to have seen that shimmy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting because I get DMs a lot that are like, I don't know if you'll even see this, but blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, I read my DMs. We're on social media. Like, I want to talk right. to people. And yeah. I have a lot of people who we have like a multi year relationship. I have people who are deeply invested in the well being of my cat and yes. like know his entire health saga. I have yes. people who are obsessed with my horse, people who like saw when me and Andrew started dating and then they saw yeah. us get married. Like, oh, we yeah. have these like long standing relationships. And these are people who have mm-hmm. never even like paid me, they just have supported me through all the different. 17 pivots I've made over the years. And to your point of when you have a strong community and a strong personal brand, you can like take that and run with it in any direction. Like I have had so many different passions, different like types of offers, different businesses. And having that strong audience is like what supports you through that and makes it like make sense when you do want to make a pivot. So like, oh yeah, it makes sense for Marie to be a business coach now because we've seen her share her entire business journey of growing like a multiple six-figure brand. And before that, she was in marketing school. And before that, blah, blah, blah. Like it makes sense versus if Pepsi like became an airline tomorrow, everyone would be like, that's completely out of left field. Like, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think another thing too, that's really important for building a community is not just sharing about the niche or the industry that you're in, but talking about like you as like a person Mm -hmm. and a human being. Like one of the things that has helped me grow a very strong community versus before when I was just kind of talking about social media, travel business, like sharing my life a little bit was letting people into like what is going on, on a like mental health, personal struggle level. And obviously everybody has boundaries with this as they should, but like two years ago, was it two years ago? Yeah. Basically two years ago today, I shared that I had gotten sober from alcohol and talking about like that journey specifically yeah, just opened up this whole new dimension of connection with my audience that I mm-hmm. had not had before. And it doesn't need to be, you know, sobriety, but it can just be like just being a human being online, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're all just looking to see a friendly face online and it is helpful to have that aspirational lifestyle for sure. Especially if, you know, you're selling courses or coaching or whatever, but letting people into who you are as a human being, right? They want to feel, you want them to feel connected with you as a friend and as a person. And the best way to do that is by being vulnerable online. 
Yeah. So then how do you decide personally? Because I know everyone has a different kind of approach for this. But like, how do you decide yeah. when to let people into a certain narrative? Because like egg freezing, you obviously decided first, but like you really documented it and let people in to the whole process, including like you recording taking your first shot i'm pretty sure it was like on your instagram story oh yeah right yeah so then but then like sobriety was more of like a teach from the scar not from the wound decision situation which seemed to be the right call for you so like how do you decide when you let people in in different scenarios it's two things it's not sharing from a wound and sharing from a scar like you said Uh, because then i'm able to speak about it i think in a more eloquent, healed, less unhinged way. (laughs) Like if I had shared about my sobriety as I was like getting sober, I, it wouldn't have been good. But secondly, it is, is there some sort of value for other people in this? Mm -hmm. So I'm very open about myself personally online, but I will never share details about my family, about people I'm dating, you know, like that's, that's a personal. That's for close friends story only. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, surprise, guys, I'm dating here on my close friend story. So I don't think the guys you're dating are, are listening to my podcast, so we're probably safe. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> so anything that's like will have value for other people. So that's why I shared about the egg freezing gas. It was a personal journey that I went through, but it was also like really helpful for other people because it's not mm-hmm. like commonly spoken about. And same yeah. with the sobriety, like people aren't talking about addiction online. People aren't talking, especially people that look like me aren't talking about addiction online. And so, and people who are like already successful and have curated like this really successful branded, like polished image online. Like, I don't think people expected that from you. So then to have you let them in was so powerful. And they're like, so if someone else was struggling and they felt like Mm -hmm. they had needed to be keeping it all together, that had to have been so empowering. And like, they felt very seen. Yeah. That was specifically, that was like one of the more powerful moments that I've had online. I've genuinely never received more messages in my life. I didn't receive one negative one out of literally like thousands and thousands. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, and every time I've shared like my journey with like having a rare, a rare disease growing up and like getting bullied and having to have like reconstructive surgery as a kid and like all, anytime I share that, which I usually don't talk about that much because I spent my entire growing up, like actively making sure that did not define me. But now every time I talk about it, people, the support is just like outrageous. I'm like, damn, I really need to like own that this is part of my journey and like let people in because it's so empowering. Not that they can always Mm -hmm. relate to like having a super rare illness, but Mm -hmm. they can relate to having dealt with setbacks and dealt with adversity and like beating the odds and overcoming Mm -hmm. their circumstances. Like anyone can relate to that. So I think just being willing to let people into your story and like understanding that your story is one of the greatest like vehicles for connection and community Mm -hmm. building is Mm -hmm. so huge. And then another thing I see people do a lot that I haven't really tapped into that much is like the way of like crowdsourcing information and also connecting your community Mm -hmm. with each other. I think you do this as well, but like people who crowdsource information, recommendations, Mm -hmm. stories, advice, blah, blah, blah. I think that also can be a really great way to build community because then it's not just people's relationship with you, but also your community's relationship with each other. Absolutely. I think somebody that does this really well is Amber Lancaster. I don't know if you follow her online. Very Um, loosely. She does a really good job of, of kind of like building that community. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll go to her for the inspo. I want to just quickly touch on the sobriety piece so people can have kind of like an entry point if they want to connect with you more about this. But what is your just big picture kind of advice for someone who feels it may be time to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol? And like, what is kind of your invitation for someone to go deeper into this if that piqued their curiosity? Oh, man, I don't know if I've talked about advice for this in a long time. I would say that first of all, there's like, there's levels to it. You know, I think that Jen, what will be most applicable for your audience is probably anybody that like is maybe just feeling like, like alcohol isn't serving them. You know, I think Mm -hmm. if you feel like you have a more of an addiction to alcohol, then that might be um, something different and everybody can feel free to DM me. But I think that alcohol is kind of having like a little bit of a tobacco moment in society Mm -hmm. now. And I think a lot of people are questioning like, is this substance actually doing anything positive for me? And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a question that anybody can ask themselves regardless of their relationship with alcohol. Because if you just cut out alcohol for 30 days and you notice like I'm feeling so much more awake in the morning or I'm able to have better workouts or I'm able to, you know, really focus on the company that I'm with at dinner rather than like Mm -hmm. the alcohol or, you know, whatever it might be, just evaluating how much of a role it has in your life. And also getting in tune with when do I, when am I reaching for alcohol and Mm. bringing more awareness to it? Because I think that it's something we don't question in society. You know, it's such a normal part of everything that we do and nobody really takes a second to bring some awareness of why am I drinking right now? How is Mm -hmm. it making me feel? How is it impacting the rest of my life? And from there, you know, 30 days, there's like some great books that I can recommend that are on my sobriety highlight but again, like if you feel like it's something a little bit more severe, reaching out to me, I can send some some resources to you, but also not being afraid to find a therapist, go to an AA meeting, anything like that. I think the more that we kind of talk about addiction, the more helpful it will be for everybody because I just found like when I was going through it, every YouTube video I, I looked at was like an old man in his 50s talking about <laughs> alcoholism, yeah. right? Like there was nobody that was my, and I don't want to use that word because it's like stigmatizing, but alcohol use disorders, I guess what we're calling it now. Um, but there was nobody who like was successful and young and like pretty, you know, talking about this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the more we can kind of like talk about it and bring it, bring it out of the dark rooms of AA meetings and make mm-hmm. it more of an open conversation, the more willing people will be to get help and yeah. it'll be more ultimately like a beautiful thing. So that's why I'm like so open about it. Yeah. I'm so enjoying the way that it is becoming more mainstream to even just like evaluate your relationship with alcohol or take a break from alcohol or like order a mocktail instead of the Mm -hmm. cocktail or like whatever it is. Like every restaurant I go to now has a dedicated mocktail section that are like actually good instead of just like sparkling water, lime and like a mint leaf. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And depression. Yeah. yeah. And sadness. No, they're so good now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think easier. I feel like we're trending in a good direction. 100%. Hopefully the equivalent of like a jewel doesn't come out and like undo all this progress. The way go, oh my God. If, yeah, if we're exactly. like, it's like the tobacco conversation. Exactly. Whatever that alcohol equivalent would be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. Amazing. I also know you have, when this is coming out, you're going to have an amazing free resource for people who are interested in learning from you and following in your footsteps. So please tell us all about that, where to find you, where to connect with you. Also, if you want them to listen to your podcast that's on a break right now, 
Well, first of all, I'd love to connect with everybody listening. I'm on Instagram at Christina Galbato. I had a podcast that Marie was on and I have a lot of like really incredible interviews with people in like the entrepreneur business space, also in like the health and wellness space. So all of that, all those podcast episodes are still up. The name of the podcast was Her Life by Design. So you can search that on (laughs) Apple Podcasts. And then, yeah, I'm hosting a live webinar soon. So for anybody that is looking to monetize their social media, no matter how many followers they have, I'm going to be walking you through how to actually build like a unique brand online that stands out in the saturation, walking you through how to create content in a way that's like strategic, but that doesn't feel hard and overwhelming. So I'm going to walk you through my process for strategic content creation, and then also teach you a bit about how to start attracting brand collaborations and UGC, user-generated content opportunities, no matter how big your audience is right now. So I'd love to see you there, no matter what your size is online, no matter you know if you know your niche or your industry or not, I will help you get started. And that's coming up soon. So I'm excited to Amazing. hopefully see everyone there. Yeah, we'll link that in the episode description or it will also be available linked on your Instagram, I assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christina. I'm sure we will continue this conversation off air as well. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please send Christina some love. Thank her for her time, wisdom, jokes. We loved having her. We'll see you next week.